Welcome to Brew Success Radio, the podcast that brings you the most up-to-date information on training, nutrition, lifestyle and business with your host, Helda Barroso. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Brief Success Radio. I have, for the second time with me, uh, Dr. Kazala Aziz Scott. Uh, the first time uh, we had Dr. Kazala on the podcast, we spoke about PCOS and women's um, health in terms of, of the hormonal health and PCOS and how we can work with that. And I'm going to link that podcast below. So if you guys want to go back and listen to that, please do so. It was really, really, really good. And in fact, a lot of women contacted me directly from that clients, past clients, current clients, and people that I don't even work with, and how helpful that was. So hopefully this will be just as good. So for those of you who have not obviously listened to that uh, podcast, I will let Dr. Gazala introduce herself, tell her a bit more about herself, and then we'll go from there. Um, so hello, everybody. Um, my name is Dr. Gazala Vazee Scott. Um, I'm a GP. I've been a GP for over two decades. Um, and I'm also a functional medicine doctor and an expert in bioidentical hormone replacement. Um, so um, I look at uh, lots of medical problems, hormonal issues, especially from a holistic perspective. Um, and I like looking at the bigger picture. Awesome. So today we are going to be talking about male hormonal issues, which again, just before we started the podcast, we did mention that it's something that, you know, it's not out there as much as it should be. And I'm hoping the information that we're going to put out there today is really going to help a lot of men who may be struggling uh, with their testosterone levels um, and being able to have, maybe have babies at a later stage in life. So why don't we start with wherever you want to start, Dr. Gazala, and then we'll go from there. Um, well, I thought, Helda, we would start with um, talking about plummeting sperm counts, shrinking penises and toxic chemicals threaten humanity, an article that was in The Guardian just very recently, which I posted on Facebook. And you said, when are we going to do our talk? Absolutely. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about that article um, and then move on from there. Perfect. So um, the article was really um, a, a scientist called Dr. Shana Schwann. Um, she's actually written a book called Countdown. And basically, in this book, it says that um, uh, it looked at studies of 45,000 men, and essentially the sperm count is decreasing by one to two percent per year. Um, so she's an environmental epidemiologist, and um, she says that sperm counts are 60 percent down since 1973, um, and men have 50 percent of the sperm count of their grandfathers. And she says that if we go in this fashion and it does go down by one to 2% per year, by 2045, we'll be at ground zero. And she postulates that everybody will need assisted reproductive techniques at that stage if that's what's happened. So it's actually really scary when you think mm. about it. Um, and 1973 is, you know, not, not very not, far from when I was born. Not. So um, I thought it'd be really interesting to to, uh, to talk much more about um, you know why why this is happening and what yeah. what she's what she's saying. So I mean one of the major things are EDCs, which are endocrine disrupting chemicals. So we actually live in a toxic soup, and she calls these everywhere chemicals. They're absolutely everywhere in our environment, and we actually cannot avoid them. Yes. Um, you know I think we can try and avoid them, but I think they're so 
are pervasive that it's very, very difficult to, to do that. So the things that she covers are phthalates, which are found in plastics, and they mimic the actions of testosterone. Uh, bisphenol A, which is found in other types of plastics, and, it, and um, that they uh, mimic the actions of estrogen. Flame retardant. So, you know, um, the, the fire service was saying to me, oh, well, we don't have to go out that much to home fires. And that's because everything is flame retardant. And for health and safety perspectives, you have to have everything flame retardant. But the thing is, the toxic chemicals that are used to make those flame retardant things, you know, cushions, sofa covers, they actually are quite toxic to our bodies. Um, Nonstick pans, cleaning products, and also personal care products. So the things that make your creams go in really well and absorb really well um, are the things that are actually um, chemicals that are very toxic to our bodies in other ways. Yes. And pesticides um, are, are also implicated. And she describes this as a global existential crisis. Uh, and in fact, babies are being born with smaller genitalia, um, smaller penis size and smaller testicular volume. Um, so, you know, this is something that countries yeah. the whole world really needs to address um, and there's a lot of inadequate le legislation so in the US where um, Dr Swan lives you know it varies from state to state and you know over the, in the world it varies from country to country obviously you know it depends on you know wow. uh, what what the environment is um, I mean the EU has actually banned phthalates in toys um, but in you know, the sort of plastics and toys, but we do better regulation strategies and awareness and, you know, as well as global climate change, this mm. is another massive thing that we do need to address. Um, so her research was done on rats and um, she identifies this thing called phthalate syndrome. Um, and as we said, phthalates mimic estrogen. Um, and she found that rats exposed to phthalates in uterus did have smaller genital size. Um, so yeah, it's quite a scary thought to think yeah. that you know, all couples might need to use assisted reproductive techniques by 2045. Which is not um, that far, to be fair, is it? It's not that far. It's only oh. another 20 years away. So that, that is really in our children's lifetimes. Um, scary. So um, she also identifies a programming window, as she calls it, for fetal masculinization. So when the fetus develops male characteristics, this is when... Uh, if the disruptions occur, then it affects the male reproductive capabilities in adulthood. So it's not really only what's going on, you know, for the male trying to conceive right now. It's what happened to him 30 years ago when they were in the womb. And these endocrine disrupting chemicals are passed to the fetus by the mother. And so it's also about exposure to chemicals during pregnancy. Um, so, you know, our present day sperm data is relating to, you know, maybe 30 years ago yeah. and not right now, even though we are in a more toxic environment now. Um, now, thank goodness there are, you know, these green chemistry movements where we're looking at making bioplastics. So um, there's a lot of, you know, you can buy bamboo straws and bamboo uh, plates and cups to, for disposable instead of plastics. And, you know, we, a lot of companies are promoting no single use plastic. Supermarkets are telling you to bring your own bags. Well, so I think just yeah. that they're going to be stopping all of their plastic bags. They're not going to at all, which is good. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Great.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there are other hormone disruptors in the environment. The combined contraceptive pill is pervasive in the, our water supply. Um, and also a lot of growth promoters are used in uh, animal farming. And it's not just humans. Um, I mean, you know, that we're that there is research that's showing that it's affecting wildlife populations as well. Mm. Um, and it's not just men. Um, you know, women are also prone to early onset puberty, declining egg quality, increased rate of miscarriage. Um, and the sad thing is, you know, the research has shown that, you know, if you stop exposing these rats to those toxins, um, their fertility does reverse, but it takes three to four generations. Wow. So, you know, I think we are on a bit of a ticking time bomb. Mm. I was going to ask you, that drama. That's okay. You, just as you take a sip and drink of your water, I was going to ask you, is the water that we drink in the UK safe? in terms of if we're looking at things like our hormones and is it, effect, is it affecting testosterone levels, estrogen, I don't know. I think it probably is. I think it probably is. I mean, um, you know, they are, they do say that you should use a water filter because a lot of these particles, they can get through the filtering system. So obviously we've got very good filtering systems in the UK, yeah. but I think a lot of these things can get through the water. Um, so I think, you know, in theory, we should be using those charcoal filters with our water. Fine. Okay, that's, that's good to know. Good yeah. to know. Go ahead. So just, just a question. Right. If you were drinking your water, it kind of reminded yeah. me. Okay, right. So we're going to go on to uh, male subfertility. So um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about, you know, what is infertility? Um, you know, people think, well, you know, they're going to get pregnant immediately. They try. But actually, 90% um, of couples will conceive within one year of trying. So it actually takes, you know, uh, quite, a, quite a bit of time. Um, and of the 10% remaining, 90% of them will conceive within the following year. So it can take a bit of time to get pregnant, but that's looking at everybody. That's, that's looking at the average population. Now, a lot of people are having children later on in life. So obviously, people who are having children later on in life, their fertility does decline with age. So they may take a little bit longer. So people have to realise they do have to allow themselves a bit of a time window um for, for if they are trying to conceive and it may not happen straight away and a lot of people start panicking and you know they're straight off to the fertility clinic rather than thinking oh actually maybe it might take a little bit of time um, i'm also very interested in integrative fertility and actually how our lifestyles have a massive impact on our fertility and people don't realize this and actually you know just by improving our lifestyles you know we can actually improve our, our yeah, rate of fertility on that point you know, yeah, sure. we get, as you said, people having children later on in life, uh, both men and women, we tend to 30s, 40s now, it's, it's kind of in your 20s, right? And is, is, is it a case that after, say, 35, 40 for a male, that a sperm count does reduce quite a bit? Uh, no. No, um, we'll come on to that. But um, no, it doesn't. Uh, so for women, fertility tends to de start declining after the age of 35. Now, it doesn't mean women are not fertile. It just means that there is a bit of a drop off and that carries on. With men, that window is uh, is after 40 to 45. And so and it's not only the sperm count declining. It's also the quality of the sperm that, that decline. Um, so, you know, as to there are increased risks of genetic abnormalities, um, you know, even as men get older. So it's not just women, yeah. um, but it's just men have a bit of a longer window. Fine. So that, that's, 
that's the, the situation. Um, but in fact, male infertility does account for about 40 to 50% of why couples are experiencing infertility. You know, it's very often the women who go, who go to, the, to the doctor to, to yeah. get advice, but you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little bit of both really, you know, it can be a factor in the woman and a factor in the man. Yeah. Um, so the investigations that we would carry out are semen analysis. Um, and that, that way we can look at the sperm count, we can look at motility of the sperm, we can look at if there are any abnormal sperm forms, we can look at the viscosity of the sperm and all of these are, are quite important and whether there are any antibodies um, in the sperm. And there's also some specialist tests, there's a sperm DNA fragmentation test, um, which you can actually look at DNA damage um, of the sperm. Um, An azoospermia is when you don't have any sperm at all, and there are men who, who have that situation, but thankfully, now that we have assisted reproductive techniques, um, you know, they can extract the sperm from, from those men. So some of the, some of the medical causes of um, a decreased sperm count, some people can have a varicocele, so varicocele is like varicose veins of the scrotum, um, and the veins around the, 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 the testicle uh, get blocked and um, swell. So this can actually cause a decreased sperm count, but if that's surgically re um, repaired, then that's reversible. Um, the other thing is infection. So um, if anyone has epididymis, so any kind of infection of the epididymis and the uh, lining of the testis um, will, will cause um, a decreased sperm count and previous STDs. So if, uh, you know, things like gonorrhea or HIV can also impact people's sperm count. Um, there's also ejaculation issues. Some people can be prone to retrograde ejaculation where the sperm is ejaculated into the bladder rather than the opposite direction. Um, and this can happen with diabetics, people who've had spinal injuries and urogenital surgery of any description. You um, can also have antibodies that attack the sperm. There can be pituitary tumors. So a lot of our, um, our, our reproductive organs are controlled by the pituitary gland and hormones that come from the pituitary gland. So any kind of tumor in the pituitary gland can then affect um, our reproductive organs. Um, some men have undescended testicles. Now, you know, in the first world, this is picked up largely, you know, because there's lots of um, uh, baby checks when babies are born. But if a, if someone's undescended testicle is not picked up and it remains in their pelvis and it's not surgically brought down, then that that testis does, is, is, is not fertile anymore. Mm. Um, we can have um, actual uh, genetic conditions. Um, that can cause hypogonadism it's called so basically the testes don't produce any sperm there can be defects of the tubules that transport the sperm and then there could be chromosomal defects there's something called Kleinfelters, where you have two x chromosomes and a y, y chromosome and you look like a man but you've actually got three three sex chromosomes and cystic fibrosis so cystic fibrosis causes um, infertility as well um, people can have problems with sexual intercourse so erectile dysfunction there can be physical issues like um, there's this thing called Peyronie's disease where you get um, fibrosis of the penile shaft um, and celiac disease as well can cause infertility and there's certain medications so um, testosterone replacement therapy and anabolic steroid use can actually cause a decreased sperm count you know paradoxically um, and we've talked about the environmental causes. So we've all got our, our um, endocrine disruptive chemicals and also heat. So, you know, saunas, hot tubs, cycling in very tight cycling shorts can all impact sperm count. Um, and then heavy metals like lead. 
Um, so in fact, there was a, there's, a, there's an ongoing study at Harvard called the Earth Study, and they're looking at patients who come in for assisted reproductive uh, techniques. And they, they actually screen the urine and blood of both the men and the women that come in for um, toxins and endocrine disrupting chemicals. And they actually have found that there is a decrease in fertility rate in people who've got high levels of those toxins in their bloodstream. Um, then we've got the rock and roll lifestyle. So people who are using anabolic steroids, um, cocaine, marijuana, drinking lots of alcohol. So alcohol is known to actually decrease testosterone um, and decrease sperm production and cause erectile dysfunction, smoking. Um, so, you know, those, those sorts of things are probably quite important to moderate. Um, and then emotional stress and psychological stress, you know, I think lots of people are under enormous amounts of pressures in the modern world, you know, it's a real 24-7 lifestyle, and our fight and flight hormone cortisol, which only was supposed to be released, you know, when you saw a tiger, now it's just releasing cortisol all the time, because we're, we never really, you know, a lot of people never really relax, and they're constantly on the go, and this can really have quite a negative impact um, on our hormonal balance, you know, both for men and women. Um, and then the other thing that has a big impact is obesity. I mean, you know, in general, people are getting bigger. Um, obesity causes insulin resistance. Um, insulin resistance causes inflammation in the body, um, increased cortisol levels. And again, our hormone um, balance is disrupted and testosterone levels go down. So I'm always interested in looking at the bigger picture. Um, and actually your sperm count so your semen quality is actually a biomarker of your overall male health. Um, and this is where integrative fertility comes in. And it's often indicative of more serious underlying conditions. So um, we know that cardiovascular disease and diabetic risk is higher in men who've got low sperm counts. There's a higher prevalence of reproductive cancers, you know, quite a, quite, quite a, much, quite a, um, a degree higher. So three times more testicular cancer and 30% increase in prostate cancer. And also there's a link with overall life expectancy. Um, so, you know, I always say to women, you know, your menstrual cycle, you know, is a big indicator of your general health. I think it's the same for men. Semen quality is a biomarker of overall male health. Um, and the things that in our modern lifestyle that are impacting this are our lack of physical activity, exposure to cigarette smoke, people have got high cholesterol levels, um, and obesity. Again, the insulin resistance is actually a major factor in chronic disease um, in the modern world. Um, so um, the other thing... Between testosterone levels being low and sperm, sperm quality being low, or do the do they two not relate? Um, oh God, I've lost you again. Hold a sec. Sorry. No worries. Uh, got you there. Oh yeah, got you again. Um, sorry, Hilda, what did you say? Sorry. For example, um, is there a correlation there between testosterone levels being normal and sperm count being low? Does that happen, or is it both? Yeah, no, no. Uh, it's it's not always linked. It obviously depends on what was so so. Te low testosterone is one of the causes of low sperm count, but the, the testosterone level can be normal. And if your sperm count is decreased for other reasons, you know, like we talked about infection, mechanical reasons that, you know, affect the, 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 um, the lining of the testes, so the epididymochitis or, you know, any kind of mechanical problems, then it's not always linked. So you can have low testosterone and low sperm count, but very often, um, you know, they're then always correlated. Um, and as we've spoken about, paternal age is on the rise too. 
Um, and um, there's some re re research that looked at 17,000 RUI treatments. So RUI is intrauterine insemination, which is an um, artificial reproductive um, technique, assisted reproductive technique. And um, they found that in men between the ages of 40 and 45, there was death. an increased premature birth rate and decrease um, in the life birth weight of the child that was born. So, you know, there is there is a, a male factor as well with age. It's not just women. Um, and the reason for this is that sperm become less mobile um, and you can get increased DNA mutations in the sperm as men get older. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons why um, this is occurring. And also older fathers do pass on the mutations to their children. And there's definitely research just showing there's a link with autism and ADHD with um, older fathers. Um, so that's quite interesting. Um, so now we're going to move on to what you've been waiting for, the andropause. Um, you know, is it is it does it really exist? So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the functions of testosterone and um, what the importance of it. So testosterone is a hormone that is in men and women, and it's got vital roles for both men and women. So in my bioidentical hormone clinic practice, I do see mainly women and, you know, we do prescribe testosterone uh, very frequently, but the amount produces what's different. So in men, you get 10 to 20 times greater levels than women, and also the location of where the testosterone is produced. So in men, it's produced in the testes and a small amount in the adrenal glands, which are little glands that just sit above your kidneys. And in women, 50% um, of testosterone in women is produced from the ovaries and 50% is produced from the adrenal glands. Um, and testosterone is an androgen, which is the male, you know, part of the male hormone family. So we have other androgens in our body, but testosterone is one of the, the, the major ones and the one that's um, the most well known. Um, and testosterone stimulates the development of male characteristics and masculine physical features. So it has an impact on muscle, bone, um, skin, um, your hair, your sex organs, and we have high, high levels in puberty. Um, and so that has an impact on when, you know, uh, boys have broken voices, um, it, it, sex organ growth, um, your muscles and bones start growing and you have a lot more energy. Um, so that peaks in your early to mid twenties. So that's when you have your peak testosterone level. Um, and testosterone actually has other roles. So we know that all of the sex hormones, they're not just for reproduction. They all have lots of functions in other parts of the body. So they're all actually neurosteroids, which means that they have actions on the brain. Um, so we know that testosterone has quite a big role in mental power and your cognition. Um, it prevents cardiovascular disease. So our heart has testosterone receptors. Uh, improves energy levels. It's very important in bone density. So that in, even in osteoporosis prevention in women post-menopause, we know that testosterone does have a role. And it's also really important for your mood and your vitality. So I always think of testosterone as three Vs, vigor, vitality, and virility. Um, so what happens to testosterone? So all women go through the menopause. So the average age of menopause in the UK is 51, but not all men go through the andropause. And women's hormones just totally drop off um, in, the, in their late 40s and 50s, whereas for men, it's a much more gradual decline. 
Um, and this decline is gradual but variable from man to man um, in the production of the androgenic hormone. So it's not just testosterone. There's another hormone from the adrenal gland called DHEA, uh, which um, also declines with age. And so the age-related decline, I would say, you know, 30% of men between the ages of 40 to 79 um, do report some symptoms of low testosterone. Um, and, um, you know, the changes can start, you know, from when you're in your early 40s. Um, and I would say about half of healthy men between the ages of 50 to 70 will have bioavailable available testosterone levels below the lowest level seen in healthy men aged 20 to 40. Um, so we look at the range of, you know, there, there's a range of testosterone in each man. Um, and we generally say that we like people to be in the upper end of, so where the halfway mark is, we like people to be in the upper end of the 50% um ideally um so so what factors acts sorry what's the normal range for the listeners um oh i i won't because the thing is it depends on which lab you use so the units can be quite different so i can't tell you off the top of my head i should have i should have looked that up actually um but um what factors accelerate the age-related decline? Well, one of them is excess weight. So, you know, as we've talked about, obesity is, is a massive issue and specifically abdominal obesity. So what happens um, from, a, from a hormone point of view is that there's an enzyme in fat tissue called aromatase and that converts testosterone to estrogen. So that happens in men and in women. So in men, if they have a lot of fat tissue, that enzyme aromatase is converting a lot of the testosterone into estrogen. And this is where we get man boobs from. So, you know, there is an actual basis to that. Um, and um, insulin resistance, which we've talked about before, illness or disease can also um, accelerate this decline. A lot of medications that middle-aged men are on like statins, um, antidepressants, beta blockers, all of these can have an impact on increasing that, the rate of that decline. Um, stress can cause um, high prolactin levels, which is another, which is a stress hormone that can also uh, accelerate the decline of testosterone, depression and mental illness, um, and endocrine disruptors. So those chemicals that we keep going on about, they also have an impact on um, the, the, the decline of testosterone levels because it disturbs the hormonal balance in the body. Um, and the physical symptoms that men report are uh, gynecomastia, so they get um, enlarged breast tissue, reduced body hair, their libido goes down, erectile dysfunction. Um, they find that they're more likely to gain weight. They find it really hard to lose weight. Body fat ratio increases they have reduced lean body mass and reduced energy levels and they just generally just feel a bit under the weather yeah. um a lot of men can have uh, cardiovascular symptoms or they don't realize that low testosterone may be contributing to some of their cardiovascular symptoms so we always think well a lot middle-aged men cardiovascular disease it kind of goes hand in hand but underlying it all is this decrease in testosterone because um, testosterone is muscle building and the heart is, um, a, is a muscle and we do have testosterone receptors in the heart muscle. So low testosterone, as I've said, does increase the risk of cardiovascular disease. You're more likely to have high blood pressure, more likely to have um, insulin resistance. You're more likely to have an abnormal cholesterol profile. And testosterone, we know, maintains that heart muscle protein and it maintains a much more favorable uh, cholesterol profile for, for people. And it also improves coronary, coronary artery elasticity. So it means that the blood flows through the heart much better. Um, 
men also experience mood and emotional symptoms and you know mood swings depression irritability fatigue um, decreased sleep quality um, loss of concentration poor memory uh, just not feeling so sharp mentally you know this is actually quite common um, and then with the sexual symptoms that people experience so a decrease in libido a decrease in sexual function, general satisfaction, it really impacts people's self-esteem and contributes to low mood. And, you know, this is often, you know, I think what underpins the male midlife crisis, you know, when they're then looking for solutions to all of this, they can't understand well, what's going on with me. I'm not feeling myself. And, you know, what far, you know, quick fix things can I do to make myself feel better? Um, so the diagnosis, um, the normal range is quite broad. Um, so we say a deficiency is below 50% of the upper range, but um, true deficiency also we, we link into reported symptoms so if people are describing symptoms on you know of low t then you know we, we can consider treatment um, now we find men are much less likely to volunteer information because um, a lot of these issues are quite personal and they don't really want to talk about it they rather internalize it and you know just keep quiet about it and interestingly they prefer talking about it to a female doctor they're more likely to volunteer information to a female doctor so when we're seeing men in clinic we often use quite targeted questions so rather than you know women will just blurt it all out like this is what's going on with me and they've already looked it up and checked it out and they've just you know out it comes whereas with men we use more much more targeted questioning like you know what are your energy levels like you know have you been irritable how is your mood what's happening at work what's your libido like so you know they, then they'll answer yes or no um so there's kind of difference in communication um and when we assess men we're also checking out other hormones so we don't just assess testosterone we also assess dhea now men have very small levels of estrogen progesterone so we also check the estrogen progesterone because they're quite important in the balance of hormones for men um and then i also always check um their you know that whether they're diabetic if they've got a diabetic risk i check for cholesterol um i check their psa which checks for prostate disease um and also if we're going to consider giving them testosterone replacement um uh, it can actually cause the blood to become a bit thicker so we do monitor that if we are going to be starting people on treatment and i also look for clues as to you know what factors might influence this patient things like you know have they got a family history of heart disease have they got hypertension have they got diabetes in their family or have they got it themselves mm -hmm. um, so we do manage people with testosterone replacement therapy um, and at the clinics that I work at we um, we have bioidentical um, testosterone replacement so the testosterone that we give people um, is identical in structure to your body and, um, you know, we can give it to people as cream. So it's, it's very easy to, to, to administer because we can give it to people as creams. Um, you know, they don't have to have um, injections. Um, and it's, it's different from, say, you know, when I, when I see people who are, um, you know, transgender, and they actually need very high doses of testosterone to, you know, to help support their changes in sexuality. So they have injectable testosterone. But for, you know, people who, who just need a top-up, of their testosterone, the creams work really well and they're very convenient and easy to use. Um, and DHEA, we also replace. Um, DHEA is the adrenal hormone. Now, I think, you know, it's the new kid on the block really. So in the functional medicine world and the bioidentical medicine world, we've known about DHEA 
um, for, for a long time. But I think, you know, people are beginning to realize it has a lot of applications. Mm. Um, and it's an adrenal hormone that's a precursor to estrogen and testosterone, which also does decline with age. But it's got a lot of protective effects um, on the body. So it prevents against cancer, diabetes, obesity, raised cholesterol and autoimmune conditions. So, uh, you know, now that, that old age has been classified as, you know, it, it does predispose you to disease. So it is like a, a disease because a lot of things that are going on physiologically in your body due to aging predispose you to getting chronic diseases. So um, DHEA is quite important. And um, if you have a deficiency of it, you can have very low energy levels, your muscle strength and tone is decreased, and you're less resilient to stress and, and uh, disease. So your immunity is much lower. Um, and metabolic syndrome. So metabolic syndrome is something that in the Western world we are facing more and more of. So metabolic syndrome syndrome is the links between obesity, high blood pressure, um, um, uh, abnormal cholesterol levels, and insulin resistance. So we know now that testosterone and um, deficiency and metabolic syndrome are have got a bi-directional relationship. So what this means is that if you've got low testosterone, you're more likely to get those things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, increased risk of cardiovascular disease. But then if you've got those things, you're then more likely to get a further decreased testosterone. So it's like a vicious circle. So, you know, the less testosterone you have, the more likely you are to become, a, you know, you're, you're prone to get obesity. And then the more obese you become, the more that lowers your testosterone. So you really have to try and break that cycle. Yeah. Um, and we know that people who are in the lower quartile of testosterone levels, so in the, you know, the early 25% of the range, they have double the risk of new onset diabetes. Um, and 40 to 50% of men with diabetes are testosterone deficient. Mm. Um, so, you know, this is part of our modern world where we are, we have got an obesity epidemic. Mm. We, we have got insulin resistance. Um, diabetes is going up at the rate of knots. Um, we've got these endocrine disrupting chemicals. We've got a lot of stress, a lot of cortisol. So all of this is, is creating, you know, a different, different health issues for, for people. Um, so some, what are some of the benefits of testosterone replacement? Well, people do feel a lot better. Um, you know, they, they feel better in themselves um, and, and they feel that their cognitive function is better. They've got more energy. They can exercise more. Um, I mean, I, I saw a client um, in my clinic uh, a few months ago who had um, testosterone levels in, you know, below 50% of the midline um, and DHEA levels. And I just gave him very gentle replacement of testosterone and DHEA. And when I saw, at the time I saw him, he had raised cholesterol, he was a little bit overweight and he had high blood pressure. And within three months, he felt so much better, so much more energized that he's able to exercise more, to take up strength training and his blood pressure and his cholesterol went down naturally with a loss of five. Yeah, yeah. So in three months with a loss of five kilograms, better lifestyle, increased exercise, and those things went down naturally. Now, if you just go to your you know, conventional doctor, they go, oh, you've got blood pressure, you've got high cholesterol, put you on blood pressure lowering tablets, on statins, and then that automatically creates their own side effect profile for your body. When, if you actually address the root cause, not only have you improved that man's health in many other ways, but you've also made them feel, you know, a lot, a lot better. 
Um, so I think it is really important to look at the root cause. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, testosterone uh, does have a massive role. Um, we also know that it prevents the production of um, beta amyloid proteins in the brain, and they're, they're associated with Alzheimer's risk. So, I mean, we know even for women, you know, um, HRT does decrease the risk of Alzheimer's disease, and that's the same for men with um, testosterone. And there is no increased risk of prostate cancer um, with testosterone replacement. Now, there's a bit of a contra controversy about is there an increased risk of cardiovascular events? So, although we know testosterone is good for certain aspects of cardiovascular health, um, is there an increased risk that you might have a sudden heart attack or a stroke? Um, but um, actually, but there is one thing that it may do, and it might increase the number of soft plaques in the arteries, testosterone replacement therapy. So again, it depends on the individual, because if that person then has a lot of inflammation in their bodies, then they're more likely, you know, that plaque can then rupture and, you know, cause a heart attack. Uh, but in general, I think you have to look at the overall picture um, you know, what, what are you trying to achieve in this patient? You know, where, where can we get the balance better in their, in their health? Yes. Um, so I, whenever I have a patient with low testosterone, I, you know, I'm not just looking at dosing them up with some testosterone. I think it's really, because that, that can be quite counterproductive. So if you don't actually deal with the underlying issues, yes. um, you know, in a sort of um, integrative approach, giving them testosterone doesn't always do the trick and in some people if they've got a lot of aromatase enzyme the enzyme that we talked about that's got that's in fat tissue now some people have a genetic predisposition to have even more so if you're fat and you've got an, a genetic disposition predisposition to have even more aromatase if i give you testosterone you don't get a higher testosterone level that converts into estrogen so you might get, you know, uh, worse man boobs and you might, you, it might not do the trick. So there are variations. So, you know, testosterone replacement doesn't always do the trick. You know, it, it, we have to look at each person individually and we have to also look at what are the underlying lifestyle factors that might be making this situation a lot worse. So number one, nutrition. Um, it's really important to have a healthy balanced diet you know we keep banging on about the mediterranean diet but you know i mean there are other diets that are, that are, that are healthy but largely we're talking about eating whole grains eating whole unprocessed food lots of clean protein try and eat organic as much as you can a wide variety of fruit and vegetables so you get all the phytonutrients so eat the rainbow plate and fats you know good fats are really important for health and hormone health because cholesterol is actually the precursor to to, to make all the sex hormones so good fats like um, olive oil avocados nuts and seeds they have many other health benefits um, and so it's really important to you know minimize alcohol minimize caffeine um, and keep the weight down i mean weight control however you do it is actually really really important um, you know, because if you bring your weight down automatically, your testosterone levels go up. Um, alcohol reduction, we've talked about, you know, beer belly and moobs go hand in hand. So the more beer you drink because it's uh, um, empty calories, you know, if you get a beer gut, that's got loads of aromatase sitting around there, ready to grab every single bit of testosterone and convert it into estrogen. And then, you know, it goes onto the breast tissue. Um, sleep, uh, I think, is a very underrated uh, lifestyle factor. And we should be getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night. Um, we know that um, the brain's got this, uh, the glymphatic system, which is how 
lots of uh, uh, toxins are detoxed at night from the body um, and it's, you know your brain gets a good hoovering at night so it's really important to get the sleep also think about circadian rhythms so it's quite important in the first thing in the morning good exposure to natural light and at night keep your bedroom really really dark you know lots of people have got you know um our iPhones charging, blue light going on, and all of those things can interfere with our circadian rhythms. Uh, people who only get five hours sleep a night, there's actually a 15% reduction in testosterone levels. Um, inflammation we've talked about. So we know that um, you know insulin resistance, obesity increases the levels of inflammation in our body. Um, there's lots of ways of, and there's other things that um, inc increase inflammation in our bodies, which predispose us to getting disease. So reducing inflammation, things like vitamin D, lots and lots of people are deficient. Vitamin D because you know we don't get the sun that we need, and um, in general, you know, we, we should be supplementing. So everybody should be on a thousand units a day, um, minimum. And, uh, at least a minimum, minimum. Um, and um, omega, omega three. So fish oils, um, yep. or there, there are vegetarian types of fish uh, of omega three as well. So omega three, really important, and extra virgin olive oil is is magic. Um, Increase exercise. Exercise is so important for all aspects of our health um, and lifting weights. So not just cardiovascular exercise, but there's real recognition that resistance training has lots of very beneficial effects on the body. Um, zinc. Um, so, you know, eating food that's rich in zinc. So red meat, shellfish, um, eggs. And B vitamins are all really important for testosterone levels. Uh, so B vitamins are found in whole grains, green leafy vegetables. Um, and then stress management. I think, you know, people do not put enough emphasis into how they manage stress. So stress increases prolactin, which is a stress hormone, increases cortisol. So I think it's really important for people to incorporate some form of stress management in their day, some form of relaxation. So everybody should have a period of time in the day where they relax and they can just you know go into rest and digest mode you know whether it's meditation or some breathing or you know um or, or some yoga or some stretching something like that it's quite important that's sort of you know to lower the stress levels um and then trying to reduce your toxin exposure so you know i think you know start in small areas you know look at what kind of cleaning products are you using in your home you know change all of your cleaning products to more eco-friendly ones uh, you know, that's quite an easy it's quite an easy thing to do um, 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 app, um that i've found called yuko y-u-k-a yeah you, you can scan any barcode of anything that you've got in your house cleaning products shampoos dental um your your toothbrush um paste Basically, and it'll tell you whether it's green, amber, or red. And if yeah. it's red, it means it's got a lot of toxins in there. If it's yeah. amber, it means it's got a few. If it's green, it means it's really good. So I actually did that exercise myself um, around the house, and I chucked so many things away. And yeah, I yeah. Other things that I went around Sainsbury's and I literally scanned everything. Yeah. That's green, that's green. And basically, I've done that change for the last probably couple of months now. Uh, I don't know whether, whether it's had an impact or not, but I wanted to make that change just in case. No, no, I think, I think you know, all of these things are cumulative. So yeah. it's not just, you know, what you do on one day. It's what you're doing in general. Oh, right. And and all of the, you know, all of these 
things are cumulative. So if you if you can start detoxing your life, um, you know, slowly, slowly, it's really important. And I think for women, it's it's you know products, it's the skincare products, yeah. and you yeah. know they they, they they have so many um, things that are endocrine disrupting. So yeah, I think it's really important to raise awareness in in your own house household, you know, and and for society in general, because you know we also need to all be interested in there being effective regulation. Uh, and, you, and testing of things that are being sold. This is a very hard um, sell, I guess, because I guess it's something that people don't see. Exactly, exactly. It's invisible, but we are seeing the effects of it. Mm. So, yeah, we can't see those things, but we're seeing the effects of it in, a, in our environment. You know, cancer rates are going up. Um, you know, fertility definitely is being impacted. You yeah. know, and, we, you know, the, the evidence is there, really. Um, so I think, you know, uh, I hope, you know, people, people take stock of all of this. I really hope. Um, yeah. Um, so the other thing that, um, that I, I think we should really mention, you know, a lot of people have heard about ashwagandha. Yeah. So ashwagandha is a herb used in, um, ancient Indian Ayurvedic medicine, and it's very, very popular in, um, functional medicine it's an adaptogen so it works to reduce the stress hormones and it actually does decrease cortisol levels by 25 percent uh, it improves insulin resistance and it actually can give you a 17 percent increase in testosterone and 167 percent increase in the sperm count in, in some studies so ashwagandha is a, is a good herbal adaption for mm. people to take you know if they're feeling under the weather you know in midlife you know, if they're having fertility issues, it's it's not harmful and it can have huge beneficial effects. Um, there are other sort of um, herbal things. There's um, something called um, horny goat weed. There's tonka ali. There's maca, which is a Peruvian root that is um, thought to improve testosterone levels. Um, so yeah, those are the, those are the things that you know we should look at to see if we can um, improve our general lifestyle and then improve testosterone levels naturally and then after you've done all of that if you still need some replacement the re replacement's more likely to be beneficial to you yeah. you know because you've improved your general lifestyle um I, yeah i think that's just the thing nowadays is that people want i want hormone quick fix now. yeah i don't want to have yeah. to my diet and my sleep and taking a supplement yeah stress unfortunately we live in a world we want it now we don't want to have to focus on all the hard stuff oh, oh no no definitely 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 yeah. um you know i saw a woman in my hormone clinic the other day and you know she'd had an initial consultation and we'd done some testing and then she had a follow-up and actually there were lifestyle issues and and you know uh, nutritional things that I felt needed to be targeted and she was really upset she said I'm really disappointed that you're not giving me something to help me with my symptoms and I said but you don't you don't need you know she goes oh, I paid all this money to find out that I don't need treatment yeah. it's like no you don't need to be given hormone replacement you need your hormone levels are too high and, and imbalanced you need support to rebalance yourself you know um so yeah, it is, it is, you know, people's expectations, um, you know, do need to be managed, really. Um, so finally, I thought, I saw a very interesting case in my hormone clinic, um, a, 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 a bodybuilder, and um, who had some hormonal issues, and I, I got really interested in um, bodybuilding and the, and the endocrine system, and I did quite a bit of research and trying to sort of sort this client out mm. uh, and I thought it's an ideal opportunity as you know you're you were from the bodybuilding world and you have a real interest in it so I thought it'd be good to have a dialogue of you know uh, wow. of that particular um about bodybuilding and hormones so um 
I mean, I think it's really important for everyone to understand that hormones and the endocrine glands are affected by exercise and bodybuilding in a natural way. So we know that exercise increases the circulating hormones in our bodies. It strengthens receptor sites on target organs. Um, and the key hormones that are beneficially affected by exercise are testosterone, uh, growth hormone, estrogen, thyroxine, um, insulin and glucagon. Um, so... Um, testosterone is the main uh, the main um, hormone in muscle synthesis yes. and actually if you exercise uh, focused on constant focus concentrate on large muscle groups and you train in the morning or 45 minute hit workouts they're supposed to be the optimum exercise things to do to maximally improve your testosterone um, growth hormone we know stimulates protein synthesis and it strengthens your bones, ligaments, tendons, and cartilage. It's, it mobilizes fat. Now, a lot yeah. of time to take actually growth hormone. Yeah, yeah. Of what the body already produces, which has been a bit yeah. of itself yeah no absolutely absolutely so growth hormone decreases with age but exercise does increase output so interval training is supposed to be really good for growth hormone and 30 minutes of sustained anaerobic training does give you you know a good good increase um and in women um uh, estrogen is really important in muscle protein synthesis and between the ages of 19 and 69 if a woman does 40 minutes of resistance um training um the, the estrogen levels can go up by you know for up to four hours so that's really really important um of training with weights yeah 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 no totally totally it's it's really really important um Thyroxine um, controls the body's metabolic rate. It encourages amino acid synthesis. So high intensity exercise will increase levels by about 30%. And th those increased levels will remain five hours post-exercise. Um, insulin regulates um, glucose uptake by the cells. Um, and so insulin resistance we've talked about as being a major factor in chronic disease development. So regular exercise does decrease um, insulin resistance. So aerobic and resistance training can be really helpful. Um, glucagon comes from our pancreas. So if our blood sugar goes low, then um, glucagon is a hormone that releases carbohydrates from the muscle and liver to top our blood sugar up. Um, and exercise makes the liver much more sensitive to glucagon. So it means that your body becomes much better at regulating your glucose levels and keeping everything on an even keel, which is good for other aspects of our, our health. Um, so as you say, lots of people um, in the bodybuilding world will take human growth hormone um, and testosterone. And actually um, it does give you fast and enormous muscle growth, uh, but then there are side effects to that. Oh, yeah. um, and so, you know, some of the side effects are gynecomastia, so you, you know, the breast tissue grows, and enlarging heart, um, which can, which is what, you know, so we, uh, there are cases where famous bodybuilders have had sudden death, and that's because they've developed um, cardiomyopathy of their heart muscle because of the, the steroids they've been taking, hair loss, um, and testicular atrophy. So paradoxically, taking testosterone, um, excess to what you need can actually cause testicular um, atrophy. Um, so there's ways of naturally increasing your human growth hormone, and that's by keeping your body fat low, exercising, intermittent fasting, um, that's been shown to increase human growth hormone, and, and melatonin that's released when you're sleeping, 
Um, again, growth hormones released in your sleep. So if you've got good levels of melatonin, you get a good level, good night's sleep, and then hopefully you, you uh, release a good amount of growth hormone. Mm. So uh, I've read that pro bodybuilders use um, human growth hormone because it burns fat and it increases lean body mass. So they get that kind of sculpted effect that they're looking for. Mm. Um, and it's quite hard to detect human growth hormone in routine drug test uh, testing, apparently, because it's degraded to the basic amino acids. Yeah. So um, and then I was quite interested in in reading about what you know, what are the anabolic steroids? So the client I saw had a raised prolactin level. Um, so I was speaking to the professor of uh, endocrinology at the Hammersmith and he was telling me that um, that some of the steroids that they use. So there's one called Trenbolone and Nandrolone. They, yeah, they're progestogens. So they are they're like synthetic progesterones that people use and they cause a raised prolactin. Uh, level and this poor client, you know, was was having symptoms of decreased testosterone, uh, uh, galacturia, which is uh, milk coming out of the breast, decreased body hair. So it was a really pretty big impact. Um, and then anadrol fifty, so that's a derivative of dihydrotestosterone. Um, but the thing is, uh, we've uh, everyone's sort of receptors for their hormones are quite different, and so the progestogen like anabolic steroids can have different effects in different individuals and some people get side effects and some people don't um and then the, the the professor of endocrinology was saying that he sees quite a few bodybuilders in his um clinic and actually um a lot of the products that are, are given to them are adulterated um they, they you know there's lots of stuff that they got underground and the black market you know um and there's often additional hormones in there there's other additives in those um supplements that can disrupt the endocrine system as well yeah. so um yeah what 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 what's your experience of it one, one of the main reasons why i've never taken steroids in my life because being involved in bodybuilding for many years i competed in natural bodybuilding for almost 10 years uh, now uh, I wanted to actually touch on that point because you know how you mentioned low body fat exercise increases testosterone. Well, if we diet too hard, which we do for bodybuilding competitions, actually testosterone levels drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're not getting the nutrition that yeah. you need. You yeah. know, the other thing is, um, you know, when I was talking to my client, um, you know, they, they can have such uh, rigorous exercise schedules. I mean, he was getting up at four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning and doing a lot of extra exercise and just the physiological stress. So anything in excess is not good for you. So exercise, of course, is good for you. But if you're doing it like getting up at four o'clock in the morning to exercise when your body is not really ready for exercise, your body wants to be sleeping, then that causes physiological stress, which then impacts. Bodybuilding is not a healthy sport in any way, no. shape, whether you do it naturally or added with added steroids it's not healthy regardless because of the extremes yeah 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 absolutely absolutely so yeah. i i know i've not been enough since 2011 competing so it's been a long time um and i will never do it again uh, I've, I've done it done but i you know many years i i i, I was in a gym environment and the people around me were taking steroids and you know i kind of got pushed to do it and I, I was, yeah 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 it's part always, of the culture I was always scared to do it though. And for the simple fact that I didn't understand, I don't like drugs. I've never, mm -hmm. I don't understand. If I don't understand something, I won't do it. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen people around me, you know, losing, losing kidneys. And I've seen people having heart attacks. And I've seen people not being able to have babies. I'm like, mm. well, it's not right. <laughs> no, 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 definitely, definitely. I don't care about how big my muscles are. If, if I'm having to go through all of that, I'm not interested. Yeah. 
So yeah. I did it. I did it all naturally uh, myself. Yeah. And and luckily for me, I've never had any issues with test with with with, with um, testosterone or libido. Um, luckily, maybe my genetics are good in terms of when I went, even when I went down to really low body fat levels, I still was okay. Um, yeah. But as the time went on and I started learning more and understanding more about health, I went, well, this is not good. I don't want to carry on doing this. No, 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 absolutely. I mean, I think some of the people, you know, people who go into it, I think that, you know, it's almost becomes like a form of body dysmorphic syndrome where, you know, where, where people actually, you know, that they get some kind of boost in their self-esteem from this kind of extreme behavior. I mean, it's like, it's almost like an eating disorder. Um, So I think a lot of them actually psychologically um, suffer as well. Yeah, well, it, 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 uh, the problem is you go to a gym and this is, I've been there and I've seen it, or you go to a gym and you're working just as hard as that person. But that person is four times bigger than you. And you mm. think, wow, I, want, I would like to look like that. Mm. So it becomes one of those, if you're not strong-minded and if you're not the kind of person that would say, you know what, actually, it's not worth the risk, um, yeah. then it's really easy to just say, oh, whatever, I'll just take it. I'm young now, I can take it. Yeah. Fine. Um, and also we have, we have, like you just said, you know, we have another world of people selling steroids where, yeah. you know, they're not pharmaceutical grade steroids. No, absolutely. They're not doing regular bloods to see what's going on um, inside their bodies. It's all visual from the outside. And, 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 and now it's becoming more apparent, especially in, in the professional bodybuilding world, uh, because now people are starting to understand how important it is for their health to, to look after their health. They're having regular bloods on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Looking at people like yourself, looking at their bloods maybe every three months, and saying, "Look, this is low, this is high. Maybe you need to bring this down." Yeah, yeah. So I think people are starting to realize a little bit more on the professional level. I do think on the gym level uh, and day-to-day people that are taking steroids and they're just guessing, and they that I think there's a huge problem there. Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. And it's becoming, you know, we're seeing, I mean, we used to see eating disorders in girls, um, you know, in in general practice, but, you know, there's a lot of now, um, you know, we're seeing a little bit more, much more sort of eating disorders in boys, and also this kind of concept of shredding. Yeah. you know and and having muscle definition well you know um unfortunately like there's a lot of men out there that portray something on social media that young boys are now looking at that yeah well, i want to look like that when i'm yeah exactly exactly, becoming exactly. A and i think you will start seeing more and more men with with issues with their hormones and and eating disorders we're going to see a lot more than them yeah no i think we will it's just the tip of the iceberg absolutely absolutely i wanted to ask you a few questions before you go sure that's no problem a couple of questions so for people that may think because you know there's a lot of things that can make us feel lethargic and tired and low libido it may, may not be testosterone being low right yeah this lifestyle is poor yeah um, and if, if they're sitting there or listening and watching this them and they think, you know, I want to check my testosterone levels, what would be the best approach for anyone to go to get that done? And also, how often would you advise them to do it? Um, I mean, I don't think you need to do it. Um, you know, I don't think I think you, could do, you can do it as a one off. So if you're feeling a bit under the weather, I mean, in conventional medicine, uh, you know, like in general, I'm an NHS GP as well, you know, we wouldn't routinely check testosterone for general sort of, um, 
uh, you know, just feeling a bit under the weather or feeling very tired, unless they had like um, symptoms of, you know, particularly sexual symptoms. So like if they had erectile dysfunction or something like that, then you might check their testosterone. But the other thing is in general practice, in NHS general practice, you can't prescribe testosterone, mm. um, you know, for health improvement. You yeah. can prescribe testosterone for medical conditions. So if people have hypogonadism, they're born with no very low testosterone levels, then you can prescribe it or, you know, in uh, someone who's transgender and transitioning. But for someone to, to improve your physiological levels and improve your general health, that's not really recognized as such in conventional medical practice. So, you know, you would have to go to a bioidentical hormone clinic or, or a functional medicine doctor. So functional medicine and, you know, and, and uh, doctors who work in bioidentical hormone clinics who specialize in men's health, they will then look at you in a much more holistic way and can do a much greater spectrum of blood tests um, than, than, are, than is available in the NHS. Yeah, I think uh, another thing I wanted to mention is I've had a couple of two different cases. One case, of a very young boy who unfortunately was taking steroids um, before he started working with me. When we started working together, I told him to come off all of that. There's no need to be doing any of that. And um, unfortunately, his approach to coming off it, his testosterone level, not the natural ones, didn't come back. So he had to go and see an endocrinologist with the NHS. Then they, they gave him an injection, testosterone injection, which would have been done every three months. So what happened then was, He'd get a boost, but then it would decline pretty quickly and he'd feel like mm. again and not very good again. Uh, and the, the endocrinologist actually said to him, look, hopefully they'll come back at some point. Mm. Fortunately, they did. Um, and he's, yeah. now, you know, he's got babies and yeah. Yeah. brilliant. However, at the time, this process made me think a little bit like in terms of, well, what happens when you get older? maybe in your 50s and your 60s, your testosterone levels start dropping and you feel like crap. Yeah. And you to take that up and they give you, you know, hormone replacement such as that injection. You may yeah. for a week or so and then you're going to feel rubbish again. Is that how it happens? Um, well, in the case of the, the, the young boy, I mean, we, we, we find this with girls who've been on the pill as well. What happens is that when you're taking hormones, you disrupt a lot of the... Uh, proteins in your blood that are the binding proteins. So there's this thing called sex hormone binding globulin. And essentially that's that binds testosterone in the body. So once testosterone gets, it's like a bus, once testosterone gets on the sex hormone binding globulin bus, it doesn't want to get off. So it means that there's much less available for your tissues. So what sometimes happens if he's been taking anabolic steroids, it may have disrupted other hormone systems and it may have caused him to have a high sex hormone binding globulin. So that then, even when he's given testosterone, you know, basically a lot of it's bound to the sex hormone binding globulin. And for, for, for sometimes that takes a long time for your body to get the balance back again. Mm. Um, so that may be, be the reason. In when um, with um, sort of hormone replacement in middle-aged men who yeah. are, are have got andropause and need to get their levels up to physiological levels, um, we, we give them a daily cream. So basically we give you treatment every day. So you don't get the dip, you, you just get- the NHS. 
no you can't get it on the nhs so basically we'll just give you you take a you use a cream um you know rubs on your forearm twice a day oh no once a day actually once a day so we'll give it as a cream um at the marion Cook clinic we tend to just give it as a cream in the states you can get um pellets you can get patches you can get you know different formulations but for people who need high doses so for people who um have got you know genetic abnormalities and they they do not produce any testosterone at all they then need testosterone injections and they'll be having them from from a young age and so you kind of have to work out you know how frequently do they need to have them to maintain some kind of physiological level um so that you know the doses of the testosterone are then higher than what you would need when you're just having you know a boost as it were uh, and the other question I wanted to ask you, you meant right at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about low sperm count, and you touched upon um, saunas and hot tubs. How does that have an impact on, 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 on low testosterone? Uh, on low no, not on low on the sperm count. Basically, um, that sperm production needs your testes to be kept at a slightly lower temperature than your body temperature. So that's why your testes are outside your body. So they can be, you know, kept slightly lower temperature. So if you're frequently using a sauna, I mean, you know, obviously the odd use of it is probably fine, but people who are frequently using saunas and frequently using hot tubs, it may have an impact. Now, again, this varies from man to man. It may be that somebody's got a pretty high sperm count and actually it doesn't really make, it might decrease it a little bit, but not significantly to cause fertility issues. So I would say it's only if you're experiencing fertility issues, you know, it's not that it makes your sperm count from 10 to zero. Yeah. It probably might lower it a little bit. And if you've got fertility issues, obviously avoid that. But if you're absolutely fine and you know, you're, 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 you're fertile, you know, the um, saunas and hot tubs have got other health benefits. Yeah, they have. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Health benefits, to, especially to saunas. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I wanted to just cover that, just because I know there's going to be someone asking that question. Uh, what about saunas? So the other thing <laughs> as well, in terms of a sperm count, if, what, how, how, again, if you have any issues having a baby and you, you what's yeah. the for a man well the good thing is on so fertility treatment is available on the nhs now um they will only provide fertility treatment for uh if the the woman is under the age of 40 but initial fertility investigations can be carried out in the nhs quite happily so if you feel if you've got an issue with your fertility and you haven't been conceiving then it's sensible to go with your partner and you know the part your your female partner will be investigated and then the male partner will be sent off for a semen analysis so that is totally available in the NHS um, but fertility treatment over if the woman is over the age of 40 then fertility treatment is not available on the NHS and then you do have to go to a private fertility clinic but the actual initial investigations you know can be done on the NHS so you can have a sperm count if you've got an issue on the NHS for free and obviously we've now done two podcasts we spoke about PCOS the first time round and I've mentioned to a few uh, women that I've come across now, like even this week, someone was saying someone in their family is suffering badly with PCOS and they wanted to have babies. So I actually sent them to, to this to the podcast me and you recorded. Yeah. Hopefully, I said there's links there. If you want to get in touch with Dr. Gazala, I would say that's the best approach. Yeah. Now, if somebody wanted to, in terms of a male person, whether it's testosterone, whether it's low sperm count, if they wanted to come and work with someone like yourself, how will they get hold of you? And how will um, 
So I work at the Marriott. So the Marriott, I work at the Marion Gluck Clinic um, one day a week, and um, so I at, at the Marion Gluck Clinic I can see um, patients who've got you know think they might have andropause, so they can make an, an appointment to see me there. I will be in September starting to work at um, the Synthesis Clinic, which is a functional medicine clinic in Hampshire. So I'm going to be working there a couple of days a week. So there we do more. So there I'm going to be sort of taking a functional. Um, medicine approach to you know all health problems um, and um, I will be looking also integrative fertility so that is going to be more linked with what can you do to improve your overall health and your overall fertility. Marion Gluck Clinic is a bioidentical hormone clinic and so whenever I see clients I am using the functional approach but largely it is for bioidentical hormone replacement so you know if you have got symptoms of you think you've got symptoms of low testosterone myself and several of the other doctors who work there you know we're all interested in men's health and we do have um you know we are able to help people and if people are living like don't live anywhere near where you are can they do it through yeah it, we're, at the moment we're we're virtual so people can consult us i mean we see international clients um you know in fact one of the examples i gave you of one of the men i treated lived in crete oh, so um yeah we, we're able to see people from everywhere you know um so we do the, the clinics um remote at the moment i think like tests and bloods is that all done yeah no we've we've um we've actually um people can come to the labs in london or we've got partnerships with superdrug stores um where with our labs so basically you can you know there's there certain super drug stores that you can go to have your bloods taken uh, with you know by the kits of our lab and then they get sent directly to our lab Brilliant. and there are also um we can actually look at hormone balance in men through the dutch test which is dry urine total comprehensive hormone analysis and that's looking at urine dried urine and we can actually look at all the urinary metabolites it's amazing so that actually we can send the kit to your home Yes. And you can have you can do the urine testing at home, and then we have to send the kit to the state. So it goes back to the lab in in the UK, and then it gets sent off to the states, and it takes about three weeks to get mm. an analysis. But we can actually, with that test, we can actually look at your te testosterone, your other androgen levels, how you metabolize your testosterone, your estrogen levels, and yeah. it can look at your adrenal health. So there's lots of other things that we can look at with a Dutch test. So you know, if you have if you can't do blood tests, I mean, we can we can use a Dutch test. Uh, what I'll do is I'll put the link below because i've got the links from the last podcast yeah okay and I'll, I'll also give you the link to the synthesis clinic amazing, um, which yeah. i'm going to be working there from september so yeah so so i think you know hopefully this is an area of medicine that's growing functional medicine is definitely growing the people are realizing more and more you know the lifestyle medicine approach the integrative approach how you know all of our systems in our body work in balance you can't just look at one organ you have to look no. at the whole thing and you know it's not about just giving you a quick fix you have to the foundation of your health is your lifestyle um you know with your diet your nutrition your sleep exercise your relationships you know how you manage stress all of these things are the foundation for your health and then everything else is layered on top of that really so we've got to get the foundation strong before we start doing other stuff so to end on that um for example someone like myself who's pretty much got the foundations on on point would you recommend to maybe do any testing on a regular basis and just to make sure overall you, you, we are healthy inside. There may be things happening that we don't know about. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think so the sort of general tests we would do. Um, so, so if you came to see me in the NHS, is I would want to want to make sure your blood pressure is okay. For someone like you, you look very healthy, but I, you know, some people can have a genetic abnormality in their cholesterol. So it may be that they're very healthy and they look after their health, but they may have a familial tendency towards high cholesterol. So I think, you know, over the age of 40, it's probably good to have a cholesterol level um, checked, blood pressure checked. But other than that, um, in conventional medicine, no. But then if you look at functional medicine testing, there's a lot more that we do. So um, you know, functional medicine testing, we will look at things in more detail. So you can look at things like, say, it's very important for reducing inflammation to have a balance between omega-3 and omega-6. Now, we need omega-3 and we need omega-6. Uh, omega-6 is um, found in... Um, uh, you know, it's in a lot of fried foods. Um, and in the days of old, when we were hunter gatherers, we had a natural balance between omega three and omega six. Now with people eating a lot more processed food and fried foods, and not eating enough oily fish and things that contain omega three, the omega three has gone down and the omega six has gone up. So we don't have a good omega three and omega six ratio. Now, a lot of people don't really well none of us know our ratio I don't know my ratio but I know that I eat a lot of omega-3 and I minimize omega-6 so hopefully I'm okay but you can actually measure it so I I mean I do find that quite exciting uh you know and I do want to get mine measured just to I know like them on measure as well even though I, yeah. I, I'm like on your boat I, I, I think my omega-3 is good however yeah. I want to get it measured yeah I think that's really interesting the other thing that's really amazing is um nutrigenomics so it's basically looking at um personalized nutrition so it's looking at our genetics in various areas of our health so um we can get these amazing reports and everybody's metabolic processes have enzymes that control those metabolic processes and those enzymes are coded for by different genes now we can all have slight variations in those genes that can then change the balance of those metabolic processes none of them are abnormal mm -hmm. but the balance of those metabolic processes can predispose some people to getting disease so some people have really bad detox genes the 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 metabolic processes that regulate detoxification in their body are bad and they're the kind of people who you know you meet patients who've had like three different types of cancer well there's some, there's very often an underlying reason for that mm. um when we when i'm giving people hrt i can actually look at how they metabolize estrogen so there are you can do a whole dna analysis of estrogen metabolism and actually when people worry about breast cancer risk um there are certain estrogen metabolites that are produced and there's certain um, we call them SNPs, they're single nucleotide polymorphisms. So certain SNPs that people have that mean that it changes the balance of those estrogen metabolites they produce. And there are some that can be implicated in breast cancer. So it's very useful to be able to look at that when you're giving someone HRT, if you can look at, are they producing more of the toxic metabolites because of their genetics? Mm. We can also look at inflammation genes. We can look at methylation genes. So that's another thing that people like to know. Um, so methylation is a very important biochemical process in our body. It's involved in multiple different um, chemical reactions. And some people are, have got good methylation genes and are, are good methylators and some people are poor methylators. So 
that can also now, now we need b vitamins for methylation so if you're a, a really fast methylator if your genetics mean that you methylate everything really fast then you're going to need a lot more b vitamins yeah. because you're going to use up all your b vitamins in your very fast methylation processes so people like that will benefit from having higher doses of b vitamins yeah. so these are fine tuning of your health that you yes. can do in in functional medicine which you know I, I i think is truly amazing and i hope that it's going to become much more mainstream fingers crossed and this can all yeah. be through the clinics that you work at yeah they, i mean so all of those so um yeah i've i've got access to all of those things in both the clinics that i work at but the the marion gluck clinic is primarily hormones um although i use a functional uh, approach and the functional medicine clinic is everything so you know when when i send you the link you know people can see what sort of things uh, we will treat over there um brilliant that's awesome and uh, so if people want to follow you see your work see what it's all about where do they go apart from the, obviously the clinics um i've got a facebook page um i think i've got a, a, an instagram account um i don't post a lot on my instagram account i've got a linkedin i think i've i post a lot of stuff on my linkedin okay um if so yeah link to your linkedin and your instagram i've got you on facebook i think yeah. you're on instagram as well. i think you've got instagram as well i don't think i give you i don't think at the time i um did my last talk i don't think i was on linkedin yeah send me your linkedin link so i can pop that on the notes fantastic and, um thank you so much for coming on the podcast you're most welcome and i, I hope it's been useful oh absolutely Learned stuff absolutely and <laughs> I, not just me, but people listening i think there's going to be a huge amount of help like i said i think a lot of men don't think about these things no 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 they don't they don't they don't and they're very reluctant to come to the doctor you know women come to the doctor much more and actually it's um wives or partners of uh, the men that go oh you know what um my wife did you know my wife really felt well when she came to the marion Glick clinic so i'm gonna you know they book their husbands in I'm, I'm quite proactive with my health and i don't really to me it doesn't matter i'm not very i guess i'm very open with, with what yeah. I, i'll go and speak to anything if i don't feel yeah. right but most yeah. men unfortunately don't. So yeah. I, I want men to listen to this and clients of mine that work with me to listen to this. And hopefully if they feel that the need to speak to someone, to, to pick up the phone or email you and have a chat with you face to face through Zoom. And I think that'll be a huge help for them. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Everyone's welcome to book. Thank you so much for your time. Have a fantastic weekend. You're most welcome. Uh, I will. Thank you, Halza. Nice to see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.